0: but uh, no so i forgot your point what were you saying at the beginning there
1: <laughs> <laughs> i no i was just talking about yeah religion or political movement
0: yeah yeah no, so yeah that was my thing so so at that time it was one it was one thing you know yeah so
1: i think you need you need to bone up on your french revolution history and maybe a little bit of your gothic literature to really get the most out of Zanoni. Yeah,
0: and yeah. Who knows? Like the, your history of uh, Rosicrucianism and. <laughs> like, uh, well, does that matter though or not? Like. Well, like I said, like um, like according it seemed to like
1: it was all in the background. The actual secret societies. There was just a lot of moving around and things.
0: Yeah, so Zanoni, that, yeah, that's an interesting point. Zanoni, the novel emphasizes the initiates on the kind of anti-traditional side, and and so their viewpoint is that um, human beings are are not equal, you know, and inequality is is the best thing, right? Because it it's differences between people, right, and that that's what gives us real freedom. Um, so we. So that's what Eliphas Levy said also is like uh, equality and liberty are at odds with each other um, because you can't, if you, if you smash everything, everybody down and so that they're the same, obviously you can't have liberty. Um, I I would say that um, it's not talking about reducing everybody to sameness, but it's, it's a. Uh, it's, it's just allowing everybody to have a f- the free opportunity to express themselves in any way they want, right? But, uh, but in any case, in Zanoni, it's, they take the view of inequality is, is, is the principle that they should be following. Um, and that, that seems to be what Bulwer-Lytton Got to as well. Even though he was he was a radical at the beginning and then sort of shifted rightward towards more traditionalists.
1: Yeah, the rightward swing is pretty uh, pretty commonplace for these folks. Huh? Let's see. <laughs> Uh, he coined famous phrases like pursuit of the I'm almighty dollar, the pen is mightier than the sword, the dweller on the threshold, the great unwashed, and the opening phrase, it was a dark and stormy night. Yeah. I don't I don't know that anyone would recognize him. And then the interesting thing is that he was just Edward Bulwer for a while, and then I think he took that last name um, – to solidify some kind of uh, like arist- aristocratic type thing.
0: I'm, I mean, it's really interesting he, the fact that he was a good good friends apparently with uh, Charles Dickens, and that Charles Dickens. Novels who I'm not even really familiar so much with Dickens. I think I've read them in high school or something, but I I haven't read them for for years and years. Um, Maybe they have that this occult side to them as well. Like they're they're sort of um, like it seems like. (laughs) <laughs> all of literature is sort of infected with these <laughs> themes you know Like you can find them everywhere like we were, we were going to do Melville and Melville of course is deeply uh, drenched in all this stuff as well you know
1: well, well Melville it's interesting because it's the dates are very similar so Lytton was 1803 to 1873 and Melville's 1819 to 1891 and then i was telling you potentially uh, melville was making fun of the transcendentalists a little bit in the book we were going to read right which which was um that's emerson yeah you know
0: emerson and and thoreau yeah
1: thoreau yeah it yeah so like that's what's fascinating to me it's almost like the energetics of the time is moving through everyone it doesn't matter where they're at it's the same Mm -hmm. spirit
0: spirit like melville gets called often a modern gnostic right and that even even the white whale is his representation of the gnostic god like the sort of uh the blind oppressing god of this world um Hmm. So he falls if he if he's involved. He falls on the sort of Gnostic side of things.
1: We, that's interesting because you're reminding me of something that I bumped into the other day when I was just like uh, thinking about this. You know, this conversation and um. um Somerset Mom. 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 Have you read him at all?
0: Yeah, there's he wrote a, a book on I forget the name of it now. He wrote a book on uh on Crowley basically. It might be called The Magician or something. I, I have it somewhere, but I can't can't recall oh, it right now. That's interesting. Um but that's but that's he an interesting
1: is, book. Huh. No, no, I'm curious. Um he, well, the, so that's interesting because there was a new book that just came out called The Magician 2, but it was about um, the guy who wrote, uh, oh, that big one I wanted to read. Oh, it was giant. It was about, he went into the Alps in World War Two to feel better or something and ended up oh, staying up
0: there. yeah, Magic Mountain. Yeah,
1: there it is.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, there's a new book about him. Thomas called the magician. Thomas Mann. Yes, there yeah. we go.
0: Yeah, um, um, uh, yeah. It is called the magician. I'm finding it here, Somerset Maugham, and it's all about Crowley. Like even, this it was, it was uh, hardly disguised, and, and Crowley knew it was talking about him in kind of a negative light. But Crowley loved it because he he loved any sort of publicity, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so he 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 thought it was great that he was being immortalized in literature. Well,
1: there's a book called the the history of tom jones um and for some reason i was thinking about that book like i think this is a similar time Mm. um but somerset mom said it's one of the 10 best books
0: what is one of the 10 best books uh tom jones oh wow okay it interesting I think you, it's interesting you also brought up Thomas Mann because I was scrambling around trying to find The Con Man by Melville, like looking at used bookstores and stuff, and I couldn't right. yeah, find it anywhere. But I did find, I didn't buy it, but I found a book by Thomas Mann called The Con Man. He, he did his own. There's a book by <laughs> Thomas Mann also called The Con Man.
1: Yeah, but I think I was my my head is kind of like still in this in this space. Uh, uh, yeah, Tom Jones came out in 1749, which is earlier. Mm. Often known, oh, it's a bildungs bildungsroman and a picaresque, and so like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I was taken with it. Um, I you were talking about Dickens, and so, so we're kind of like there are things that are happening is like the social commentary is a big piece of it, but then there's also, like lots of lots of vignettes, lots of
0: yeah, these underlying themes, right.
1: lots of things that you're experiencing. You know, now I'm thinking of like, like to Victor Hugo also Mm.
0: yeah like these like Victor Hugo and then uh Balzac like Balzac's got uh um he's got this book called Serafita and Serafita is another kind of Rosicrucian um type novel which I haven't read yet but uh and it's and it's um it's talking about Swedenborg right um but he again that's another uh Balzac was another initiate, you know, it's like another person is um, uh, Disraeli, right, who was who became a f- good friends with Bulwer-Lytton, right um, and he has a book that came out I, I'm, I'm just looking at it, uh, I found it online, it's called Lothair and all the w- I haven't read it yet but I, I sort of scanned through it and uh it just, yeah, listen to this. This is interesting. It says, um, I don't, I don't, this is a cardinal, like a, a priest. He said, I cannot admit, replied the cardinal, that the church is in antagonism with political freedom. On the contrary, in my opinion, there can be no political freedom which is not founded on divine authority. Otherwise, it can be at best but a spacious phantom of license inevitably terminating in anarchy the rights and liberties of the people of Ireland have no advocates except the church because their political freedom is founded on divine authority. But if you mean by political freedom, the schemes of the Illuminati and the Freemasons, which perpetually torture the continent, all the dark conspiracies of the secret societies, there I admit the church is in antagonism with such, with such aspirations after liberty. Those aspirations in fact are blasphemy and plunder and if the church were to be destroyed, Europe would be divided between the atheist and the communist. And all the way through this book, there's this clash between the secret societies and the church, which are these two, again, these two kind of um, factions that uh, that Eliphas Levy talks about. Yeah, I feel like
1: I need to... I still don't have a good structure to organize these things. Like I have all these lists of names and dates, Mm. but it's just, (laughs) it's not enough (laughs) or it's, I need to have the information.
0: Yeah. Differently somehow. What's amazing reading these books is you get into the kind of headspace. The more that you read and see how they're connected to each other, the more you can sort of get into the headspace of the people at that time. Um, like of course it's difficult right but uh, um but well, the yeah.
1: thought oh well, i was having is like so like the spiritual stuff is always valid right so like it's it's always a rediscovery and and but the political stuff is like i that's the part that i struggle with where as they consider different political philosophies to try and move towards a just society it's like is that the same? Should we consider the same? Do you know what I mean? Like, um, or is there is there some stuff where it's like, well, they were they were misguided, uh, you know they they considered some things, and nice work, but we don't have to we don't have to think those thoughts because, you know, this happened, this happened, this happened. You know? So, like, when you're reading the the actual literature they're trying to they're contending with those structures and trying to come up with the solution themselves in their fictions or in their essays or what mm, mm. and so there's always valid points in there but like like that's what i'm wondering do you read everyone
0: <laughs> well yeah well this is a sort of a i think what joyce is talking to a lot as well is um uh, like you read something like ulysses and it, and it's about something that happens in uh, 1904, you know. So a lot of right. the things that are happening in that book, um, they're far in the past, you know. Like it, it's, um, I think Bill Klaus brought up this question when we when we had a book club about Ulysses. Is like, how relevant is Ulysses anymore, you know? But, but then,
1: he made it universal somehow. Yeah, like, yeah. It's so always the same. Like the, you know, hoof and mouth disease, you know, whether or not it that's the literal one thing that is the problem, there's always a problem, right? With, mm-hmm. with foreigners and, you know, progressive and ideas and how to treat the cattle. And
0: in and the basic relationships between people, it doesn't ever change, you know, it doesn't seem like, you know. Um, But yeah, yeah, so that's the thing, like, uh, so you can read literature like that, like, even if you're reading Dante, right, and so you're reading Dante, and you're finding out all these people who are sentenced to the inferno, and if you don't read into the history, you have no idea who these people are, and what they really did, and what they, why they deserve to be there, or whatever, right, but um, they still make sense as characters within the the poem or the story right so it doesn't Mm -hmm. really matter who they are but then if you do actually look into it then it gets deeper and and then you find much much deeper connections right but but um but you don't need to i think literature is like that and that's why it becomes literature is that the, the uh the particular becomes universal right yeah yeah I mean well uh, I thought this book was perfect for uh, our bigger discussion we've been having with Jason and everybody else well, it, we- it,
1: it, it is because uh, right so yeah I'm struggling with that conversation it's fun I'm really enjoying it but I'm struggling with it um, but I don't know that I have the background that you and David do. How, and so how, I'm, yeah.
0: How do you mean struggling?
1: Well, so like, there's too many leaps. I mean, it's, it's fascinating. So I really I like the new development of, you know, the book of revelation pointing toward Crowley. Mm-hmm. Like I like that. And so that's kind of why I, I started thinking about the Bible a little more again. But I really, at this point, where I'm at, I've spent too much time with Northrop Fry, and I really like to listen to him talk about the Bible. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't, for whatever reason, that, and then Job is just such a, it just—I don't know why I keep coming back to it. I don't know why it is the the the, the quintessential fractal unit that everything
0: grows yeah. out of. <laughs> exactly, I think so too. It's like woods. Well, it's, it's basically uh, it's basically Christ, right? Like it's um, Christ is there. Like it, Christ could be Job, like. Job as a precursor of Christ, but but he's also Job is is everybody, you know. He's he's everybody who has. Well, it's like that video. I don't know if you saw that video I posted on uh, on Facebook or whatever. Oh, this video, yeah, everybody's yeah, talking yeah. about Hi Ren, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that's such a power. Like that's such a powerful song. That guy's amazing. But uh, um, but but he's Job in that in that video, you know.
2: <laughs>
0: like this idea of like the the. Yeah, the uh, the bargain with the devil, or like even in Zanoni, it's there, right? Like he he, there's a uh, there's a balance between Adonai. This I I guess it's like this Christ-like entity that um Zanoni Zanoni um usually has communed with, and he sort of uh, because he falls in love with Viola and then become sort of mired in matter again um, because of his love um, he can no longer appeal to Adonai to try to save the life of Viola and his child um, when when Viola is giving birth and so then he has to appeal to the dweller of the threshold and, then, and it's the dweller of the threshold who ultimately saves their lives for him Then he's haunted by the dweller until he's able to sacrifice himself for viola. Um, So, yeah, it's there all over the place, you know. And then this one always goes back to Faust as well, like uh, Goethe's Faust or Marlowe's Faust, but especially Goethe.
1: Yeah, well, so like when I first started reading this, even though this is 1842 it still felt pretty like contemporary in the sense of society
0: Mm, i don't know
1: did it feel did it feel gothic to you i guess
0: uh no like i wouldn't like uh like it 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 doesn't have all those it's not meant to be a gothic novel i don't think you know so it's like a like if you read uh, what is it like Walpole or whatever his name is, like the the Castle of Otranto, one of the I think it's the first so-called Gothic novel, and it's got all the Gothic tropes like everywhere, right? Like a uh, um, or or if you read like Edgar Allan Poe or something like that, right? Um, but uh, I I don't know, like this doesn't have the the uh, sort of excessive creepiness or whatever of the Gothic, like. If the, if this was a gothic novel like um, that castle that Glinden goes to study with May, Maynour would be like described in, to be so scary and creepy which it which it wasn't right so did I don't know did it seem gothic to you or
1: no no I no. was just I mean I was thinking about how like your conception of the past, okay, and so we were talking about uh, Faust, and so I was trying to put a date on on Goethe to try and get a sense of like like all these waves of influence. Um, you know what I mean, like, a, a, yeah. like. 400 years you know or something stupid so he oh I guess he's pretty contemporary
0: with this isn't yeah, he so. yeah, yeah but Marlowe like the Christopher Marlowe was a contemporary of uh, Shakespeare I think it was yeah he, he wrote the first modern Faustus I guess
1: oh I think I know what I was thinking about I think I was thinking about um uh Chaucer mm, yeah like, um, what he captured, um, was so far in the past compared to,
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, even even Dante, you know, but uh, um,
1: so Dante is he? contemporary with Chaucer pretty close I think
0: because I think pretty close I forget who follows who I think Chaucer might be after a little bit I'm not sure uh Chaucer is 1366 to
1: 1387 and Dante is uh 13 oh
0: 1285 no that's yeah okay so Dante's before yeah um, yeah, I think um, 13, 20. it's supposed 21. to happen. Like the Divine Comedy is supposed to happen around 1300. Is supposed to be the date where he actually goes through the uh, scary wood and into the infernal. Um,
1: yeah, he died in 1321, and I don't know. They don't have a a, a birthday for Dante, which is interesting on Wikipedia. Yeah. So, like, but it just—we've <laughs> been playing the same game for so long, you know?
0: Mm, yeah. How do you mean? Like, uh, with...
1: like, like it just goes on, like, six hundred years of of this.
0: What? What specifically? What do you
1: mean? Just. Contending with the uh structure of the universe and trying to understand our place in it.
0: Oh yeah. and yeah. Then. Well if you wanna yeah. If you wanna say that you can yeah <laughs> go right back to, to Parmenides <laughs> to or something, right? Like <laughs> Yeah. The yeah. ancient Egyptians. Like that's um that's the interesting thing about this book. Well, about this time, the, they don't mention it so much actually in this book. But the, uh, the French revolutionaries, they all hearken back to the ancient Egyptians. That's what, um, and and they're like they're like Bruno in that way, Giordano Bruno, right? Like he, he thought that also. It's like uh, if we want to get right back to the original roots of religion, we've got to go right back to Egypt, ancient Egypt, and that's where the, that's where the mysteries originated from, you know. I guess that's sort of the Freemasonic view of things. But yeah, um, um, but I think that's that's the thing. Like all these, um, and this is something that even Harold Bloom talked about quite a bit. Is like uh, literature continues on Gnosticism, right? Like or or all these occult themes. That's where that's where after the break with science, right? After religion broke with science during the Enlightenment, these sort of metaphysical themes carry it on within religion because philosophy itself kind of followed science or or, or the other way around, like science followed mechanistic philosophy, right? But, uh, but literature and the arts are where these kind of deeper mythological themes, metaphysical themes continued, right? Gnostic themes and hermetic themes and neoplatonic themes yeah hmm
1: well it's it's moving towards my bedtime yeah (laughs) (laughs) but um so I, I enjoyed this talk and now I'm inspired maybe to to give it another shot I don't I don't know what that means uh like I wrote down. I, I want to dig more into this, that time and the, the people They're just it's I don't know, I started looking so like, you could lose your mind, though, if like you start reading all the books like you have to read wollstonecraft's vindication on the rights of women and then you have to mm. read caleb williams and then you could read all, all kinds of godwin if you wanted and
0: and, and um, shelley's books i want i do to read shelley's novels i didn't even know he he wrote novels but uh yeah these Rosicrucian novels that uh, shelley wrote
1: well so our our last man talk was really good mm. like i i went back and listened to it and it's like oh yeah we were we were uh, discovering things in the moment, and it was it was pretty good. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of fun how that works. Uh, but so like if if you wanted to read something as a follow to this, like there was kind of a plan in place before um, i'm I'm game for anything. But if we did the the Thomas Pynchon one, it kind of makes sense a little bit in a strange way because it's it's right before the American Revolution.
0: Which one, Mason and Dixon?
1: Yeah, because. Oh, right. Okay. So there, I think that book takes place between, if I'm not mistaken, 1763 and um,
2: 1767. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got it here. Um, I, and I so it, it looks, it's going it to be huge, right? Like, uh, it is. It is huge. How long does it take to read it? What? Is it like, it, is it a fast read or is it? A, I think so. It, it's. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, but
1: I mean, so it, it's it's the same stuff. Oh, exact the same stuff. And I'm sure it's the same kind of things. It's just coming at that from I mean he wrote it. It came out in 1997. So, you know, he's traveling back with his mind into that same kind of the secret society. It's ben Franklin's in it.
0: Yeah, and just reading on the uh, on the on the flap cover flap here. Mason and Dixon take us along on a grand tour of the Enlightenment's dark hemisphere from their first journey together to the Cape of Good Hope to pre-revolutionary America and back to England into the shadowy yet redemptive terms of their later lives through incongruities and in conscience, parallaxes of personality, tales of questionable attitude, altitude told and intimated by voices clamoring not to be lost. Along the way, they encountered a plentiful cast of characters, including Benjamin Franklin, George Washington, and Samuel Johnson. Oh, that sounds good. Um,
1: we would have to like probably push it all the way out to you know sometime in, in mid-June.
0: Um, yeah, this would be a, the spring book, eh?
1: Yeah. I hope, I hope
0: I would have time to read it all, but, uh, I, I could do it, I guess. I don't want to twist your arm. No, no, I'm. it's a book that I want to read, so it's, it's, um,
1: uh. We might be able to enlist, uh, like, since it's, uh, like, maybe your, your Alex might be interested, or your Dennis, like, or, uh, we might be able
0: to. Who else? No, I would love to get other people back. Yeah. Yeah, no, if this is what it takes, then for sure I'll read it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I am not saying anyone's gonna join, but yeah. I'm 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 wanting to do it again deeper and better and
0: uh, it it would be an interesting um, Interesting one, too, because it's sort of, uh, like you said, it, it sort of links up to this book, maybe, but also it will, it links up to the other things, the sort of more postmodern stuff that we've been doing as well. So it's kind of a, a nice connection between these two. Yes. Yeah, all right, all right I'll do that. That sounds good. I was gonna. Well, I could I could start that right away. Actually, I was gonna read um. Uh, I was gonna read the coming race by Oward Lytton. Um, I can jump right into this one.
1: Well, so are you? What is what is your reading
0: practice
1: like? Do you uh, read before bed? Do you only read on your commute, or is there a part of your day that's just your reading time?
0: Yeah, um, I usually try to read before bed. Um, These days I've been on holiday, so I wake up in the middle of the night and read for about an hour. (laughs) Then I read to my kids also before they go to bed. Um, When I start to work again, I'll start um, soon. Then I read on my huge commutes all over the place. Uh, Huge, huge commute, like uh, uh, two um, hours. Yeah, two hours, even more than two hours. Well, not all of that is on a train, but um, yeah, quite a lot of that is on a train. Like, that's the longest I go, maybe an hour or so, hour and and a half. Um, Cool. um, So, yeah, I try to read as much as possible, but inevitably I get sucked into the Internet, too.
1: Well, the problem is,
0: uh, yeah, when I was single... I used to
1: read for anywhere from, I don't know, 20 minutes to an hour and a half before bed, you know, depending. Mm-hmm. But then now we watch TV before bed, in bed. And so the reading is not part of that. I need to somehow figure that back out.
0: <laughs> take the TV take the TV out of your bedroom?
2: Oh, no, that's the iPad on our chest.
0: Oh yeah, it's harder to do that. <laughs> the
1: TV just goes wherever you go. Um, but so like my reading I used to after that just happened like I would take these long baths like so like I would go away from people and, and I do that a little bit still but not.
0: Geez, wow, not you can read it. In your, I have never been able to do that without getting my books soaked. You know. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you get your books a little wet. You just have to (laughs) be careful and have some towels handy. (laughs) But, for yeah, the audiobooks are way more just because I'm always doing menial things that don't require... Like, I need to be present enough to move a broom or put dishes in a machine or rake leaves or walk dogs. Mm. and so like those are perfect uh, book listening times making dinner
0: yeah well it's it's nice to read books to my kids too where they we can start to read some interesting stuff too well that's great yeah
1: yeah Okay, well, uh,
0: yeah. So, what about some um, um, uh, our uh, March twenty fourth talk? The next installment. So I,
1: I'm thinking, right? So March twenty fourth is a Friday, and it's um, this Friday, mm-hmm. and it's when that album comes out. Yeah. And so I probably should send an email, but we'll need a little time to spend with it, right? Yeah. You think? Yeah. I, yeah. and I've been listening to the those three songs a little bit I think I like them I think I like the new song so there's three three songs off that album that have been released um I don't know her music seems to kind of all start the sound to me it's kind of on you know, the same like yeah the, well it's just all kind of the piano yeah I don't know I don't know maybe I'm a hater <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, yeah anyways, so. yeah, we will see uh, I, don't, I don't know what day I can commit to either but but uh, um, yeah if if, uh, if you guys were to uh, put out a date I'd Look into that too. Uh,
1: what do you think? Um, when do you when do you go back to to work?
0: Uh, not sure, like a week or two or something. Yeah, I should look into I that too. Think
1: should we should we wait
0: until? See what Jason thinks.
1: Well, I, I don't I don't know. He did a new post.
0: Oh yeah yeah. And- it's hard for me a few weeks ago
1: i mean he'd be the one guy that would probably listen all the way to our talk right now Mm -hmm. but maybe not too i don't know but um i his stuff is so dense and it's in it's done in such a way that i just it's hard for me to get the meaning out of it i get more asking dumb questions of him when we have the conversation yeah, like I need him to spell it out and to hold my hand and And, yeah, I just don't know. Like, because the the things that he's sharing are freighted with meaning that he clearly understands. but i I sometimes really need it spelled out.
0: Yeah, I see him as just doing like I've always I've always seen this it's like a he, he's doing a kind of multimedia poetry right where he's not like in the same way poetry doesn't explain itself you know it's like a just he's he's just sort of bouncing quotations and images and videos and everything off of each other and you, well, make, and your, so you make your I enjoy own connections it, between them
1: right like a scroll where you're kind of rolling through it but you're not. You're not, um, uh, you're taking it in sensorily, but mm. I don't know that you're necessarily, I, I guess I'm saying that I only connect to the surface of it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. No, yeah, it's it's nice to for him to give his live exegesis <laughs> when, when we don't interrupt them. Too, too much, but <laughs> too too much.
1: But that's the funnest part is when, when he's being interrupted because <laughs> it's a, it's a pretty good conversation usually.
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. All right, but yeah. So I I'm I'm looking ahead, and so like Easter Sunday is the ninth mm-hmm. um, of April uh i don't know you know it could be it could be like good friday could be interesting april 7th and then it would be saturday in japan yeah that might work that that could be potent i'll write that down four seven yeah my son um he uh he went on my daughter's senior trip because she didn't want to go, um, and we we're like, what? <laughs> but so he went to Dublin this week.
0: Oh. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, he's 16, and and so like the day after St Patrick's Day, he went to Dublin. Cool. It's it's like a high school college kind of thing, and so I don't know how much stuff. He's really going to get to see. I think they only spend a couple of days there. I said, take a picture of that James Joyce statue. <laughs> Everyone does. Oh yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. He, he'll come across that, I guess.
1: Mm-hmm. You would think. <laughs> it's like going to Seattle and taking a picture with the Jimi Hendrix statue.
0: Oh, that I didn't do. I didn't. I, I didn't, <laughs> didn't even know there was one. <laughs> all right so
1: that's good uh email all right i think we're doing all kinds of good business here oh yeah and then right we'll we'll talk in in april i i'm going on my first european trip this year too in may so
0: oh great okay
1: and um i did something a little Strange, but I'm. There's a critic that I really like. She's a literary critic. Her name is Merve Emre, and she writes for the New Yorker. And I think she teaches at Oxford at times too. Um, but she, her, her writing—it's just she, she makes you want to read books. She's so good. Mm. But she's doing a uh, kind of a Q and A with the shortlist winners of the uh, Booker Prize. Mm. In London on the 18th and so I'm like oh tickets are only 15 quid I don't know what that means it's like more pounds. than yeah pounds more than dollars, a but dollar and 15 a half, dollars yeah. yeah that's not bad you know like yeah. I go and listen to the four nominated writers who are going to win the Booker Prize and someone I find very interesting just because we're happen to be in in town at the same time, so you'll be in London. Yeah, so we're flying to to London, and then ultimately, my wife wants to spend some time looking at art in Spain. But then there's this this Vermeer showing, like a world, uh, once in a lifetime collection of Vermeer paintings, all coming to Amsterdam. Mm. And so. We're going to that too. It was like the tickets were harder to get than Beyonce, but somehow <laughs> <laughs> somehow my wife pulled it off. So we'll see the the girl with the pearl earring in person, and like so that's actually interesting. In in light of what we're talking about, is that there's all these people that write about like after you 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 sit with something like that, it actually changes you. Like there's mm. something mm. imbued in the art that itself
0: changes you. Yeah, that you can't get from a reproduction of it. Right.
1: Right. Yeah, and then, then we're right back into the recognitions.
0: Uh yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. um uh, what was that some uh there was a movie on, on those Dutch masters, like uh, was that Painting by Numbers? Is that, is that ring a bell?
1: Uh uh-uh. uh. Um, but that's interesting.
0: Uh, let me see
2: uh, oh, I can't oh,
0: no must not be it. It's the um uh, I think it's the same director as um uh, what is it? the uh, the cook, the thief, um, his wife and their lover or something what's that movie i don't know
1: it sounds really familiar
0: oh that's a great movie but uh
1: oh yeah that the cook the thief his wife and her lover
0: and who's the director Peter, Peter
1: peter greenway
0: yeah for sure okay yeah and so peter greenway i think did another movie about um really interesting movie about uh dutch painters um which it's like a uh
1: was it a documentary or a mockumentary? no, no it's, a, it's a
0: film um I think it's Dutch uh, I can't find out what it is it, maybe it wasn't him um
1: so he did I remember Prospero's books from oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah yeah
0: that's a great that's a great one too it might not be this one um the pillow no no it's not that one Sparrow's Books. Oh, Drowning by Numbers. That's the one, is it? Uh, let me see. No, no, this is not what I'm thinking.
2: Of.
0: <laughs> um, I'll try to find out what You'll this is. You'll have to figure that out. It's kind of like... Uh, I'd like to watch it again myself. It's kind of like, uh, like the thinking man's... Um, Da Vinci Code kind of thing.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah, well, so speaking of that, uh, I'm trying to think. I think I did Foucault's Pendulum.
0: Oh, yeah. it's a good one.
1: Yeah, but I'm always, like, tempted to to want to do that one again, just to see. Because, like, I think someone made the joke, maybe umberto echo himself saying that Dan Brown is a character in his own book, like he invented Dan Brown, who you know made the Da Vinci Code.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> <Are> there, <laughs> I'm just seeing right now there is a movie called The Last Vermeer, <laughs> but that came out in uh, 2020, so it's not that one. I don't know. Or 2019 or something. But there's another. Uh, a movie about so that might be worth worth watching as well I don't know what that's like, but uh not really sure what this thing I'm thinking of is
1: well what yeah, it's probably a bad question, but what do you think about Jason's thesis or is it more of an exercise like an exploration
0: yeah i'm um I don't know it i like I've been um sending messages back and forth for a while. Like I, I, I stopped doing that, but for a while we were sending messages back and forth and I was trying to figure it out. Like I'm trying to make i uh, I'm sort of trying to pin down the parallels he's making. Like what exactly does Bowie represent? What does Lana Del Rey represent? And when I think I've gotten it and I think we've agreed then he brings up something, <laughs> he brings up something else and it's like, whoa, so where, where is it now, you know? Um, so I'm not, I, I, uh, I, I still want to find out his, his bigger picture, but it seems like uh, he, he keeps exploring, he keeps getting deeper into it. So I'm not really sure if he's, um. Uh, I, I don't know. If he's I'm able, not,
1: able to articulate it necessarily,
0: like I he can only don't really know if he has an overall thesis or he's just he's just continuing to add new information into this uh like i said this big multimedia poem that he's creating so i'm not sure if he's got like a uh like a system behind it like a like a systematic thought behind it you know
1: well i used to he's
0: he's more he's more just finding pieces and then just putting them out and then making connections between them and then finding another piece and weaving it in but i i don't know if he uh like maybe he does like maybe he has some some uh some some picture in his head that that ties it all together but i i I don't know what that is yet yeah
1: I, hmm. i mean i used to understand him and we used to I, I kind of butt heads because his was a very gnostic worldview, you know, mm-hmm. like this really is a fallen world that needs to be redeemed. Yeah. And and so like this kind of does somehow fit into that.
0: Zanoni, yeah.
1: No, the the David Bowie.
0: Oh yeah 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 for sure like um, um yeah so so the
1: like Sophia and he was calling David Bowie kind of like Gnostic Jesus
0: Yeah yeah so so he has a an idea which is which is great um about the divine feminine right and the idea that um why does the artist Right, the poet or the artist always get to be um, always gets to be the one who's um, creating and exploring things and creating, and then the artist is always and and then the feminine role is always taken up by the muse, right? Um, and so what I think he's doing is he's saying that in this case with Lana. The muse, like Orpheus and Eurydice are united into one, you know, and then that is a new turn of history, uh, which is a great idea. Like it, it, and, and so it would be like, uh, um, yeah, it would be like uh, Molly Bloom is Leopold. Yeah, you know? <laughs> uh, But even more than that, it would be uh, because yeah, it, Leopold's not a creator. Well, he is in a, in a sense, but uh, it's like uh, Molly Bloom as Joyce, maybe you know. Um, mm. um, and so and so because of that, uh, everything changes, right? Every it, like our entire way of looking at things changes, right? Because. Uh, the two things, the the whole feminine and masculine side of thing comes together at, at once, you know. Um, so I, I, that's kind of what I think he's he's talking about. And we've been talking about this actually. We I we I went back through our emails, like our messages back and forth, and we've been talking about this for years actually, back and forth between us, right? And he always, um, I don't know. He's not accusing me, but he's always pointing out that I'm I'm talking about often these kind of orphic male orphic figures right who are inspired by the muse but the muse do who is feminine right mm-hmm. but the feminine itself is not the poet you know and that's that's kind of what he's he's he he always he has always kind of like um brought that up with me right uh, and, and i really see his point i think it's an interesting creative idea right like a But uh but then but then I I don't know how that meshes then he's making parallels with Sophia and with uh, Shekinah, and I'm I'm not sure how much of a parallel there is or, or how he ties it all together like that and then I and then in that case I don't know the role of uh, of Bowie you know like his, um, so Bowies the Gnostic Christ Uh but he was saying that Bowie was somehow
1: yeah it's weird so like instead of dying for Lana he kind of he doesn't redeem her so much as he empowers her
0: yeah yeah so that's the thing I don't understand is that connection between the two like then what does he say is happening there you know um,
1: well and then if we get too literal with the the ideas then i start to kind of you know like the knowingness of an intention of action
0: yeah see i'm not as concerned about that like it, maybe it happens maybe it doesn't happen i'm i'm more interested in the idea behind it right but uh um,
1: well then but then i i'm always um trying to figure out the you know the purpose and so like if this is because it does seem like like i i guess i was boiling it into kind of like the winnipeg theology you know like there's this trans this literal transcendent moment that's coming on december 21st 2012 right and and then at this moment everyone launches off the earth, like the Indigo children in childhood's end, Mm. you know, like that was, that was what the epiphany was going to be. But for his, his either shotgun blast to the head or, you know, the crossing of the threshold with the tunnel under ocean boulevard. Mm. Like, I just don't know. You know what, The thing is, is I don't know that these literal apocalypses happen. I do think they happen, but they don't happen literally.
0: Yeah, I was thinking about that today when we were uh, going to do this book, Zanoni. It's like, like it's all about the French Revolution. And then I'm just watching on the net these live streams of all these massive, massive protests, like millions and millions of people in Paris and other towns and cities in France and and people out in the uh, out in the boulevards and uh, in squares and squares and and shouting, we killed Louis, we beheaded Louis uh, the Sixteenth. We can behead Macron like this. So I guess
1: I guess that's that's where the yeah, that's where it happens.
0: I mean, so so I think he does. Uh, Jason does think that there's a. Uh, something massive could result from this you know it is kind of like it's an interesting leap right like so imagine the book that we just read um it fits the usual pattern like uh, Zanoni or Glinden is the artist poet initiate and then Viola is the muse right Viola Mm -hmm. herself is not the initiate she doesn't need to be the initiate right um so it fits the usual pattern, the usual, like, I don't know, you'd call it patriarchal pattern or whatever. Probably, right? yeah. Um, but then if he's making the case, like it, yeah, imagine Viola as the initiate, right? Like she's the one who uh, is muse and initiate at the same time. Then then, then what happens with that, you know? And it's, it is a sort of different, um, uh, even as a literary character or a literary type or something, that's a different thing. You know, it's so it's interesting. Um, yeah. So if that becomes like a, uh, if that becomes, I don't know, the uh, the focus of culture, right? That literary type or poetic type becomes the focus of culture. Then what does it do to culture? Like, how does it transform culture? If that's the case, you yeah. know. That's a that's an interesting question so i don't know i would say
1: that what's happening in culture that is m- making people's minds explode is more about like the the de-gender or so like the blurring of genders
0: or types yeah, the sort of androgyny oh.
1: right or you know people choosing like talk about you know freedom or liberty you know i'm choosing to be completely different or other.
0: Well, this is the weird thing again, right? Like so, so, um, like I said, Alefus Levy is a—he's a conservative in a way. Like at the end, at, at least in this book, he's 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 against the idea of equality, right? Um, but then he was the one who pop- popularized the 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 image and the symbol of Baphomet. And Baphomet is this uh, like androgynous, androgynous, like has breasts and then, but also is hairy and then is he's he's goat and man and he's like salve and coagula, like he's he's the union of opposites, right? Um, And so yeah, there's sort of an ambiguous side there. And then and then the other thing is like he talks about Saint Germain as representing tradition, but then on the other side, Saint Germain is apparently who the the guy who came up with with the idea of like uh liberty equality fraternity like that that came there's a tradition that says that saint germain came up with that you know so so i don't know i don't know if actually it's a new thing or not this idea of the uh the muse the muse and the initiate being one you know And and yeah, the other thing is, I, I said that I, he knows this. So I'm just not um, not saying anything new that he hasn't heard. But I I uh, I always question if these things are centralized in one figure or whatever, right? Whoever it is, Joyce or Kubrick or <laughs> or uh, Bowie. Or, well, I don't know. That's just the thing. Like deep, deep, digging into all these 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 these. Novels that that are, well, they're not that old, you know. Like this is what, like a hundred and fifty years old or more. Like a, um, I guess more than that. Uh, um, it it's like if these societies existed then, you know, they probably exist now as well, and they probably are concerned but, with art as they were then.
1: Um, but what if what if
0: Ours is
1: the, that society. Well,
0: you know I what I, mean? I I I think. Um, I guess
1: you're you're thinking more along the lines of the elite, right?
0: Well, uh, well, whatever we want to call it, like a. Uh, I'm just talking class. about a, I'm i I'm just talking about a lineage of initiates. You know. Um. Like I haven't been initiated. You know, by any 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 group. I don't know if anybody involved in sync has. Like we we've maybe stumbled onto these things because maybe it's it's because the, the secret societies have been putting out this information for people to stumble upon, you know, but but I don't think that we are initiates ourselves, you know. Um maybe uh, we are un- so then you tapping you're, into it, right? But
1: Right. Like what is a secret society?
0: Yeah, but I, like, I is I, it no, I'm talking about actual lineages of initiates, you know can be traced back you know like master to disciple that goes back um yeah like maybe David I guess he's he's been (laughs) initiated Kabbalist
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right I better go to bed
0: yeah yeah okay that was fun though um and then uh, okay so
1: I'll send some emails about March 24th, and then we'll uh, I'll also share that we're going to do Thomas Pynchon. It's a good one. Everyone should get on board with the uh, transit of Venus.
0: Transit of Venus?
1: The transit of Venus, that is the uh, backbone of this, this story.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. I'm, so the transit of it. Venus happened in 2012. You know that? You remember that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Okay.
1: So the transit of Venus is the beginning of the book, and then I think the the transit of Venus is the end of the book also, because there's a, a eight eight years,
0: I guess.
1: Yeah, but I don't know. Maybe I'm. Let's just look at that for one second. Uh, He began work as early as 1975 on this. I don't know. They're ordered by the Royal Society to observe the transit of Venus from Sumatra.
0: Yeah, it's eight years apart. Mm.
1: But the, this is saying 18...
0: Oh, yeah. June 6, 19, uh, 1761. Transit uh-huh. was observed from 120 locations across, around the Earth. Astronomer Charles Mason and his assistant surveyor Jeremiah Dixon originally planned to travel to far off Sumatra to observe it. I, yeah. So it does but
1: then forward. there was another one...
0: Well, it comes back, right? Like
1: it comes back eight years later. And so I think that's the kind of the Mason and Dixon return to London where they decline to accept another assignment together. Dixon is sent to North Cape, Norway, to observe the return transit of Venus, while Mason is sent to Ireland to do the same.
0: Oh, wow, well, yeah, that's that's really interesting, then. hmm And then you've got them as the line between North and South.
1: Yes, this slave and free. Wow,
0: well, yeah. Oh, this could go deep, too. Yeah, it does. It's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we've got to get uh we've gotta get our resident astrologer back in our oh, talk SJ. To. Yeah. Yeah. This
1: is Yeah. Well
0: He had some great uh-huh. insights about the uh the last man talk. Yeah.
1: Right? Yeah. Well he connected it to uh there was he was connecting it to something that was just kind of blowing his mind in the moment he's like what
0: oh my gosh yeah it was blowing my mind too i can't uh like uh it was about about that meeting on in uh lake geneva right where they right the whole gothic meeting
2: yeah
0: (sighs) okay i'll let you let you get to get to bed um
1: I don't, so like, I don't know, this would be a hard one, but like if you, if you just came in as the resident astrologer,
0: that could be interesting too. Yeah. I think you should get all those guys back in. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I do too. <laughs> I'll, I'll make a very... Very heartfelt plea. I'll
0: book them too. I
3: swear
0: i Alright, well,
1: well, you have a good day and, and I'll endorse, uh, talk to you in a different way. Yep, let's and I know you're okay. thank,
3: you. thank
2: you. See you again.
1: Yeah,
3: great, thank you. Hours of phrases I've memorized, thousands of lines on the page, all of my notes in a desolate pile. and I can